0: Chapter 15. La Cumbre. Sierra de Aloapaneca. Search for the Dwarf Jay. A bus company called Benito Juárez, named after the famous dead president, ran buses to Huelatao, his hometown, and the first bus left at 7am. The bus station was a fair walk, so I left at 6.20 and bought a couple of cheap tortas for breakfast at one of the early opening dodgy food stalls. The bus was just 12 pesos for the 20 kilometers to La Cumbre, This was a few buildings at the highest part of the road where it crossed the mountains at an altitude of 2,800 metres. Oaxaca is at about 1,500 metres and is usually sunny, but higher up the road entered the cloud-covered slopes and the weather turned from Mexico to Shetland. Mist and constant drizzle on top of the strong winds and the cold meant that conditions weren't optimal. This was to be grudge birding. Despite the horrible weather, The forest along the logging trail leading from the main road was really beautiful. Lichens and bromeliads hung from the trees, and a spooky mist covered everything, making it look rather mysterious. I walked slowly along, making sure not to over-exert myself at this altitude. The gravel track went slowly up and up. Looking at my GPS, I saw that I was approaching 3,000 metres, the highest I'd ever been. At the crest of the hill, my GPS had stopped short at 2,990 metres, which I wasn't happy about. A small hillock ran up from the side of the road. When I got to the top of this, I saw the reading was 2,999 metres. I couldn't get any higher. I lifted up my arm and stood up on my tiptoes, seeing it flick to 3,000 metres. I had walked about 5 kilometres from the highway and seen some nice colourful mountain specialties, like red and golden-browed warblers plus many hummingbirds, including green viola deer. I still hadn't found the dwarf jay that I had come to see. I took a two-kilometer detour down a small sidetrack with no luck, so I started heading back. It was almost 4pm by now, and I hadn't eaten since early morning. I'd been cold all day, and I really didn't relish the idea of coming back again tomorrow, but it looked like that's what was going to happen. Almost back along the road, I heard the chattering of the more common Stellar's jay, with which dwarf jays often form flocks in winter. I saw the pretty, Stella's jay fly from tree to tree, and a group of grey-barred wrens poking at lichens with their long-curved bills. I was just about to give up when I saw a smaller blue-coloured bird fly past and land in a tree nearby. When I got it through my binoculars, I saw its slaty-blue colour and light-blue throat that distinguished it as a dwarf jay. I can't describe my relief after eight hours in the freezing cold with the prospect of the same again. It was even colder, rainier and windier by the main road. I was told on the way up that buses went back every half an hour, so I figured that I wouldn't have to wait too long. One of the buildings had a sign outside reading Información Ecoturísticas and a WWF sticker in the window. I thought I might as well nip in and check it out. The door was locked, but the guy inside came over and opened it for me. We exchanged greetings and I said I was bird-watching. He said something I didn't understand that ended with 50 pesos. I thought he was offering his services as a cheap guide, so I said no, 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 hey, finito, i finished. He beckoned me inside and said I could wait for the bus, which sounded good to me. We had a basic chat about birds, after which he said I had to pay 50 pesos for bird-watching. It sounded a bit absurd, so I asked him why I had to pay, to which he said with a smile, ¿No paga? I asked if there was an official ticket, which there was, so I paid and that was that. Later I saw a list of prices for entry to the park, the most expensive of which was birdwatching. I guess it was an official ecotourism project, although I did wonder what was going to happen to my 50 pesos. I chatted a little bit more with the young guy. They had some posters of lynx and coyote which I guess occur in the area. He waited with me on the porch ready to flag down a communal taxi or bus, It was partially sheltered against the gale, but still freezing cold. In my birding sight guide it said that it could be cold up here. I had toyed with the idea of bringing my sweater, but in the end I didn't bother. I put this decision in my top ten stupidest things I've ever done, with some pretty stiff competition. After half an hour he buggered off to catch a taxi in the other direction, and of course one turned up in five minutes. I waited for an hour and a half in total, and it was without a doubt the coldest I've ever been. Eventually a taxi stopped and my teeth stopped chattering after about five minutes. The driver was going at breakneck speeds down the hill, but quite honestly I didn't care about dying at that point, as long as it was a warm death. What a relief it was when we dropped below the cloud line and I saw the setting sun. I didn't get properly warm until I got back to the hostel and stood under a piping hot shower for ten minutes. Luckily the cold hadn't done any permanent damage, Apart from a measly sandwich on the way back, I didn't eat anything at night. I was just too tired and warm to move from my bed. The next day, I took the same bus as yesterday, but got off 10 kilometers further down, where the sun still shone. It was a little chilly, above 1800 meters at 8am, but having learnt my lesson from yesterday, I brought my sweater. Smiling smugly, I started walking back down the hill, checking the roadside trees and shrubs. The habitat was much drier than La Cumbre, and there was even some cacti mixed in with the forest. The two species I was looking for, Oaxaca sparrow and Pileated flycatcher, were found between the spot I got off and five kilometers further down. Some of the trees had large white flowers in them, and they were alive with hummingbirds feeding from flower to flower and occasionally chasing off any trespassers. Before coming to Mexico, I had never realized that hummingbirds were so aggressive. I guess they had to guard their precious nectar, but they seemed to be permanently scrapping. I checked a sidetrack down to a clear, rushing stream and another up the side of a valley through the dry scrub. The morning progressed with lots of common Pacific-slope birds, but not my two. I did meet my first birdwatcher in two months. A rich, elderly American gent was looking for the same birds with his professional Mexican birdwatching guide. I went over to them to see if I could tap them for information, but they didn't seem to be having any more luck than me. They were polite, if not friendly. A lot of birdwatchers are like this. I said good luck to them and walked off down the hill, wondering how much he paid for his guide. I saw a few new birds, including the migrant black-throated grey warbler. The road eventually passed out of the good habitat and into open farmland. I turned up a side road that led to a reservoir where lots of Mexican families and couples were picnicking. It was 4pm by now and I was hot, tired and very hungry, so I hopped on a bus back to town. I went out for some food and ate an absurdly spicy torta cubana in the same torteria as I had eaten in the day before. The chubby waitress with hairy arms smiled at me again. That night I found a blanket left on another bunk bed, which I slept beneath in my sweater, a bug in a rug. Having failed to see either of my little brown birds yesterday, I thought I'd give it another go today, and found myself on the same bus for the third day in a row, the only difference being that I was better fed and rested than the previous two days. I got off where I met the yank birder and his guide yesterday. The guide seemed pretty clued up, so I figured it was as good as anywhere. I saw a few different birds from yesterday, but yet again the two species I was looking for were nowhere to be seen. The morning wore on and got hotter and hotter. I started having fond memories of my chilly experience on the mountain two days ago. Again I walked back down the same hill and eventually came to the end of their habitat. I sat down on a rock feeling pretty dejected. A Mexican guy with two halves of a fishing rod stuck in the back of his rucksack came strolling down the hill and stopped when he got to me. He was inquisitive. He asked me where I was from, what I was doing, and what kind of birds I was looking for. When I said sparrows, he chuckled. I said they were Oaxaca sparrows, and very rare, to which he replied that I could see sparrows down in the town before continuing down the hill, smirking to himself. Maybe he was right. There certainly didn't seem to be any around here. I followed him down the hill and flagged down a bus back into town.